For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that we were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in hope. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast. We're in season two. We're glad to have you joining us here. Good to be back. Yeah, it is good to be back. We apologize to our faithful listeners that it's been so long. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, life happens and the upper studio, upper 40 studio was just booked solid. We couldn't get in. Anyway, but we're, we're glad to be back. I'm uh, Jeremy Boyd, your host. <laughs> Jeremy, don't call me Greg <laughs> Jeremy, Boyd. don't call me Greg Boyd. <laughs> no relation to famous heretics. If you don't know who Greg Boyd is, don't look him up. Don't look him up. <laughs> and and I'm, uh, I'm Alex Klusterman. Yeah, there's no other famous Klustermans that I can think of. No, 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 not in this country. Not in this country. Probably some. Although I've heard uh, a bit of your family history. Didn't you have a a grandfather who was kind of famous or a great grandfather who was part of some resistance during the Second World yeah, War? Yeah, my my family um, on both sides was in the Dutch resistance. That's awesome. So there's some pretty good stories that came into that. And uh, you know, so they weren't Christians. Yeah, because you can't resist. <laughs> well, exactly. Caesar, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Backslidden Christians. <laughs> Backslidden. <laughs> yeah. The close political political Christians. <clears throat> yeah. Man, I feel like it's been forever. Yeah, it has. I've. Uh, yeah, we had a rough week as a family. Just some personal tragedy, but we had a, a still life continues on we had a busy week as well i was um one thing i did want to touch on is my time at trinity so i went down to trinity bible chapel to speak at their men's breakfast and when pastor jacob asked me to do this like i think before christmas how come you didn't invite me well i did invite you remember we're gonna go down and do some filming that was this thing i thought we were only going down there to do the filming and then you still went down yeah, I did. Oh, man, I would have loved to have been there. Oh, sorry, dude. Well, next time. Yeah, next time. Well, when they bring me in to speak. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> so when he when he asked, I'm thinking, like, a men's breakfast, in my experience, is a fairly low-key event. Right. And, um, you know, I was, I mean, I love the church. I love Pastor Jacob. I love, you know, Eric and the guys that I've met there become friends of mine and just very thankful for the work that the Lord's doing as, as just an outsider looking in. Um, being, they had an amazing conference last November, I believe it was. And, uh, you know, by far the most God-centered conference I've ever been to. And um, it was like a revival and a conference and ministry training and, uh, you know, meal fellowship all wrapped into one. And a ton like, of prayer and encouragement. A ton of prayer yeah. and encouragement. And uh, anyways, so I was like, yeah, I mean, I'd love to come down. I'd love to be with the saints there. And to be honest with you, I just, I didn't know what to expect. Like, usually, you know, I said to them, church men's breakfast are like 20 kind of reserved guys in a church basement eating pancakes, you know, and you, you give a little devotion. But... I guess they. This is kind of a thing. Like they do this once a year, and the people sign up for it. And um, 
anyways, had a really tough time preparing because of what our family was going through. And I had I had prepared beforehand, actually very early on for this, which is uncommon for me. I prepare more closer to things. And uh, partly I'm just a very busy guy, but partly I find deadlines to be helpful in clarifying my thought. Um, anyways, I thought I was ahead of the game. And then this happened. Um, and you... I just couldn't think, bro. Like, I just would look at my page and look at my outline, which I'd already prepared, and literally couldn't write one word. And um, my mind and my heart were just really done. And um, really, it wasn't until I prayed really beforehand, uh, like I was up to midnight the night before working on this, up early working on this, and... I had some true things to say, but I didn't feel like I had my, I was just, my mind was jumbled. Like it wasn't a coherent message. Mm-hmm. And I asked if I could pray in the sanctuary. And it wasn't until then really that I felt like I knew what I was saying. And I have to say, um, the reason I bring all this up is one, God supplies grace in our moment of need. And I really felt that. I mean, if we don't minister through sorrow, we don't, we just won't minister. Right. And I trusted that the Lord would come through and he just did come through and he came through at the last minute and he gives grace for the day and manna for the day and no more. And Mm -hmm. and he did that. What struck me and what I reached out to, to um, Jacob and, and uh, pastor Randy as well. And um, the guys who were leading this was when I'm speaking, there were 300 guys Wow. Which one is just very uncommon to have 300 men at a church event uh, on a on a weekend in a snowstorm. And they were joking. There was, there was other churches in the area who had men's breakfast too, and they both they both canceled. Yeah, which tells you about the kind of men you know in the church. But so that was the day of the snowstorm. It finished early that morning. Everyone who came had to shovel through like literally a foot of snow. Yeah, 300 guys. And it was it was almost distracting when I was preaching because what what just struck me was the humility and the hunger of these men, and so the message that I delivered um, was about waging the good warfare, and it was about you know um, waging the warfare against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and I really focused on self-reflection and and fighting the flesh and putting to death the flesh and putting to death the old man and looking at ourselves before we look at other people, like Jesus said. And it was one of those messages that just is like, it's a hard word, you know? And when you see men, especially older men, you know, 50s, 60s, and when you get to those parts that drive it home and they don't look away and they don't look down and they nod and their eyes fills with tears, I mean, that's just a sign of revival, and all this talk about a revival down south, and I and I pray that it was. I pray that the Lord did something genuine at, at um, that school, and I pray that He continues to work and um, in the hearts of people. And but but I can say for sure that what's going on at Trinity Bible Chapel is an unusual outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Mm. The other thing I'll say is that the thought that came to me was that seeing men who are humble and hungry 
is a fruit of the ministry of the word coming to bear on those men over a long period of time. Yeah. And um, that was just so encouraging to me. Like I went down to encourage them as a, as a service and I left being really encouraged. And specifically the encouragement I took away was it's, it's our job to tell the truth according to the scriptures. Yes. To be patient. Yes. To be prayerful. Um, yes, to seek to persuade, but to tell the truth. And that God actually works through the means of his word by his spirit. And I mean, I know that, like I know that, but it just, it just like confronted me as I looked in the faces of these men. That's what he does. And we had to go, we had to have a really hard member meeting where I was bringing a rebuke to our church that I had been thinking about and the elders been thinking about for like a year. And it'd been weighing on us and burdening us. And it was one of those conversations you just you just don't want to have. And I was it's so funny because the Lord strengthened me for that task, which ended up going very well because of the the what I witnessed about of his work in and through Trinity. And you just you can't plan these things. Yeah. Like I'm thinking man, should I even go down to this place? Like, you know, we just lost a baby and like, how how could I leave? And yet I, I felt like, no, this is the right thing to do. And Beck was well cared for and we have a great community. And I thought, look, I if we don't minister in sorrow, we won't minister. But really the Lord was ministering to me mm. and reminding me of his faithfulness and of his power and of the means that he works yeah. through, which is his word. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm basically just testifying to the goodness of God is oh, what I'm amen. doing. And uh, praise God for that. Amen. Praise God for his work um, through uh, the ministry of Jacob and the elders there. And, uh, you know, people are going to think I'm a Trinity fanboy if they listen to this podcast. And and I am. Yeah. And I just I just straight up am. <laughs> I'm a fan of those guys and Own what it, the baby. Lord's doing. Although I have yeah. to say this, if there's any Trinity guys listening, we did a little book giveaway, right? Eric did a book giveaway and he's, you know, who's got the longest beard, who's got the most kids, who's got the biggest tires on the trucks. Like these are good things. <laughs> these are good things. But let's let's be honest here. Uh what we really need to have happen is a powerlifting competition. Like we can, you can, you can, anyone can grow a beard. Anyone can throw. Well, I anyone, can't grow a beard. It's all, I look all patchy. Well, yeah, but you could. Look you, like a pirate who's kind of a burn victim. Yeah. And, well, I'm just, I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. That yeah, we're gonna, dead weight lifting. Yeah. We need to have a powerlifting competition, dead bench squat, a year's time. <laughs> we're going to put our numbers together and we're going to see what's what. But. Uh, oh, man. Anyways, I would like that to watch. I've yeah. I don't know if I've ever lifted anything in my life that wasn't work related. It's never too late to try. <laughs> but yeah, praise God, praise God for His work there, and it was a, an encouragement to me. Well, and He's working here too in in different ways. Yes, he and He's uh, clearly. You said you had a good response to your admonishment yeah. to the congregation yeah. and uh, Westmount. We just had a uh, our annual meeting, uh, members meeting. And, uh, you know, we added, including kids, 12 members. We baptized, baptized uh, a, a gentleman, um, 
it's uh, yeah, we're growing. I don't know. And for those of you who go to the two churches, we've blown out our balcony because we need yeah. to make room for more seating. Yeah. So there's uh, there's stuff going on, and yeah. we just need to keep being faithful. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You yeah. had a couple guys show up to that day. Oh, buddy, we had Steve uh, we Jacob had Steve and, North. Yeah. Shout out. Uh, Steve North, uh, Jacob and Adam Dominion uh, alumni. Yeah, Jacob Dominion, also. <laughs> Dominion Minute alumni. <laughs> yeah, Jacob and uh, Tr- no, Tristan wasn't there, was he? No, Adam. Adam, that's right. Yeah, Adam Puckran. Uh Steve's son was there helping. Nice. Yeah, he was helping out pretty good. We had like a hive of men. It was like it was the same morning. It was the the snow snowstorm, yeah. and we had uh, some other stuff planned for. For us that morning too, yeah. we we're gonna have a study, and then we make pies for the uh, meal afterwards on our uh, for our annual meeting. Yeah, so we spent a couple hours making pies, and then went up and destroyed some walls. There you go, which was awesome. Nice. Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of wood up there. Yeah, but uh, we made quick work of it. Great. Yeah. Well, what are we uh, what are we talking about tonight, or are we already talking about it? I mean, we're already talking about it, but it's a good segue into what you know we wanted to zero in on, and that is the corporate gathering of the saints on the Lord's Day in the plans of God. And uh, we've talked a lot on this podcast about the necessity of gathering. Obviously, I'm a pastor. You're a deacon. We're churchmen. We love the church. And we are committed to the church. Um, we've talked in the context of lockdowns and state overreach about the authority of Christ um, to gather his people together. Uh, you know, so we've mentioned Lord's Day worship before in that context and, and hopefully in everything we've talked about. But I wanted to focus on a little more um, this week about the necessity of gathering together as God's people. Mm. Uh, on the Lord's Day and how this is consistent with um, not, it's not just something we do, it's who we are. Yeah. It's the overflow Absolutely. of who we are. And um, just it's so much more than, than worship, right? It is yeah. like it's worship is central to it. Uh, and I'm reading through Hebrews right now and the whole yeah. discussion in Hebrews on rest and uh, the, there's a Sabbath rest for the people of God and, um, mm-hmm bringing that back to creation and God resting on the seventh day. And there's just so many connections to everything. Like you said, it's who we are. Yeah. Um, you know, more like small groups are good and, and, you know, meeting together daily as believers is good, but there's something about that corporate gathering where we're worshiping, we're studying. Yeah. Um, we're, uh, you know, we're taking the Lord's supper and yes. uh, like first Corinthians 11 says, we're proclaiming, um, the Lord's the death, Lord's until, death he until he comes, you know, yeah. where this is a witness to the world. There's yes. so many things. Yeah. And yeah, it's central to our identity. Yeah. And so this is important because if you just think of it in terms of, um, you know, maybe, maybe statism or yeah. COVID. It's not enough to sustain. It's not enough to say, well, you have no right to tell me therefore I'm going to, you need to have a deeper why you yeah. need to have a deeper understanding of what the scripture teaches about the nature of the church. And what the role and the practice of gathering is to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can just, we can start off by saying, and I feel like when I say this, people, it's like the magnitude of this is lost. The gathering of God's people on the Lord's day for worship, 
preaching, discipline, the sacraments, fellowship, prayer. This practice is the universal practice of God's people for 2,000 years. And we could even say as Israel as well, not on the Lord's Day, but the gathering, the ecclesia, right? The the assembly Mm -hmm. of God's people. Um, But certainly as the church, the ecclesia, the gathering, the gathered ones, the assembled ones, um, this has been the universal practice of the church across every culture, every nation, every tribe for all time. Mm -hmm. No exception. Which is funny because there's no explicit command that that's the day that it has to happen. But it was very clearly the tradition. Yeah, my my point is that this is this is from Christ and from the apostles. Yeah, like they, there was there was no question that no, this was the day we were going to do it. No, like what happened on Sunday? Yes, you know. Yes, like the world changed when Jesus rose from the dead. Exactly. On Sunday. Like yes, there's cosmic implications yeah. to that. So every Sunday we're getting together to commemorate the fact that this we're in a different world now. Yes, which the Bible refers to as the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. And and we even overlook this as Gentiles, but the significance is of a bunch of Jews, you know, no longer observing the Sabbath as the Sabbath as far as the way it was practiced in the Old Covenant. Now, I'm I'm not a Sabbatarian, um, so there's, there's questions around is the Sabbath still practiced by Christians? I think it's like, well, what do you mean by Sabbath? Like, if you're a Christian, you don't practice the Sabbath as the Sabbath was practiced under the Old Covenant. No one does that if you meet on a Sunday, for one. So um, if you want to say that there's still significance of one day of Sabbath, okay, if that's what you mean by Sabbath. But setting those questions aside, the significance of a bunch of Jewish people this wasn't just a Gentile thing. It's a bunch of Jewish people now observing the first day of the week mm-hmm. as the day set aside for the assembling um, of people together to commemorate a different event, the event that they were now commemorating is the resurrection. And this this is just an enormous thing. And as you say, it's to commemorate the, the new creation. It's the world is changed. Everything has changed since Jesus Christ rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father where he rules and reigns over all he's a king of he's a ruler of the kings of the earth. So what I just want people to see from this is that this is not a recent tradition. Yeah. This is not a white guy tradition. This is not a Western tradition. I bring up that my um Sister in Christ who lives with us, part of our family from Ethiopia, oldest church in the world, you know, kind of maybe with the Coptic church, yeah. but the Ethiopian church is arguably the oldest church. They meet on a Sunday, you know, no white guy told them that, yeah. right? Um, they did that long before what, Philip, Europe was a thing. Philip wasn't a white guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So, so... Um, we just have to acknowledge that, look, this is what the Spirit of God has led the people of God to do in conformity to the Word of God forever. Yeah. Did you read Doug Wilson's recent blog on this? No, I didn't. He, I, I thought that's maybe what you were riffing off of. No. He did a really great um, blog on, I think it was like seven theses about Lord's Day worship. Okay. Or something. It's fantastic. Oh, I got to check maybe that out. two in. or three weeks old. Nice. Um. There's a lot of 
he, he takes it pretty far yeah. as far as the implications. Yeah. And not maybe we can't all get behind every one of his theses on it, but yeah. uh, but the uh, this is kind of what he's Yeah. going on about. Yeah, yeah, it's not part of it's not because of our western culture. Yeah. Western culture has traditionally observed a day of rest because of this, because of the influence of Christianity. Um the other reason we need to think about this as far as opposition is that we have the rise of individualism mm-hmm. that is just rampant. So religious practice is, is viewed in individualist terms. It's about your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ, for example. Um, and we want to say exactly. that while yeah. all faith is personal, yeah. it's never private. Yeah, you're not born into it. It's it's It has to be personal. In yeah, it has sense. to be personal. Yeah. You must be born again. Yeah. But when you are born again, you are made part of the household That's of right. God. That's you right. are made part of the body of Christ. Right. When we talk about corporate worship on Sunday, the reason we use the word corporate is we're referring to corpus, the body, right? We're referring to the fact that the church is not simply um, a bunch of individuals. The group is uh, one body. The church is one body yeah. made up of many members. And when we come together, um, we reflect that. Yeah, I think one of the impulses, along with this individualism that makes people kind of abandon this view of Lord's Day worship, is the egalitarian. Oh, yeah. So we, you know, there's no, there's a flattening out of the differences between people. Yeah. Where scripture is very clear about the fact that God gives gifts to his people that are yeah. meant to be used in community. Right. And those gifts aren't the same, right? Yeah. You have different gifts than I do. Yeah. I got more gifts than you, but yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Obvious. You have a nicer beard. That's pretty good. And you're pretty good at preaching. So you got me there. But you got um, good EQ skills. I got, I got pretty good EQ skills. If you like the sound of the Dominion podcast. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? There's an there's this egalitarian view that yes. we're all the same. We can we're all capable of the same things, no. men and women, no. young and old. And so, what do we need community for? Yes. But Romans 12 says very plainly, right? For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Yes. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy, and then he goes on. But the question is, how do you use those by yourself? You don't. You don't. And you need them. Paul goes on to say in First Corinthians, right. right? He says, the hand can't say to the foot, I have right. no need of you. So egalitarianism resents distinctions. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where it goes, under the guise of equality, right? It's just actually a despising of differences. It's equality, but it's a it's an equality of poverty because you're you've been impoverished of other people's gifts. Yeah. Whereas a Christian who's filled with the spirit of God comes to love the gifts and the grace that God gives others. You thank God for that. Yeah, cuz you recognize I don't have that gift. I, don't I have need that. that from that person. Yes. Not that I need it as in I must possess it, but I must yeah. humbly receive benefit from them. From it, yeah. Benefit from them. So yes, you have individualism, you have an egalitarianism, you have a transhumanism now, this idea that we can um, transcend our human limitations 
And one of those, I mean, this is the rise of Zoom chirps, right? Like yeah. through technology, we can find a way around embodied ministry. So we have the we have the ancient heresy of Gnosticism arising again, where you have a disembodied ministry where people right. say, well, if I can see your face on the screen, if I can hear your voice. Yeah, I we mean, can take communion yeah, over a, the screen. It's the same orange thing. Orange juice and a cookie. Yeah. You know? It's the same thing that, that our, pra- our, our physical presence is actually meaningless. And, you know, I mean, I li- I like one of, I know someone who's part of a church where they have like a missionary to gamers. And, and I'm actually not opposed in principle to someone, you know, by any means reaching the lost. Like we use YouTube, you know, so I'm, yeah. I'm fine with that, but it's, you don't want to affirm the virtual life as as just a parallel with reality, like it's just the You're same, only to a different place. Pull them out of it. Yeah, yeah. And so Christians must stand. Part of our Lord's Day gathering is we see we say no. We are creatures. We are physical being with physical needs. We occupy physical space, mm-hmm. and um, we partake in physical elements, and we we hear our physical voices. I mean, I was, I was, by way of analogy, um, we EQ the room for our music, right? We, we, we mix our music in our room and it sounds great in the sanctuary. But when you send that feed out online, you're listening to it. And it's like, why does it always sound so terrible? It's like, well, yeah. because that music is EQ'd for that room. Yeah. It doesn't sound good there. It's not meant to. You'd have to do a whole other mix to make a good sound there, but that's not where it's for. So if you're listening online and you're like, oh, this it's kind of like I hear the words, but it sucks. It's like, what's the difference? Well, there's an enormous difference. Yeah. And to to see and to hear, to feel. Yeah. And so the church must stand against this dehumanizing virtual reality that seeks to discredit all of our physical qualities as limitations to be overcome. Mm-hmm. Right. And we say, no. No, the fact that we're men, women, children, sick, healthy, um, limited, old, young, bearded, bearded, unbearded, unbearded. <laughs> uh, it's it's with these faculties that we are called to honor and to worship the Lord. Yeah. And that's how he's honored. That's how he's glorified. Can I uh, riff off of some music talk there? Could you do that? I I have a passion for teaching people to sing. Nice. This, this has been growing over the last couple of years. We've been doing our sacred harp singing. Shout out if anybody wants to learn to sing four-part harmonies. YouTube that. And have a fun time. Every second Tuesday of the month, we do sacred harp singing. Just go on YouTube and look up sacred harp music. Mm-hmm. It'll blow your mind. It'll make you want to do it. But anyway, I have a passion for teaching people to sing because, again, every voice is different. And we don't get a, we don't get a, a pass from singing. Mm-hmm. If we don't think our voice sounds nice, right, or if we can't hold a tune in a bucket, yeah, God doesn't say, "Well, yeah, lift your voice," unless except you can't you. sing. Except, <laughs> except, except you. No, sometimes we, we wish He said that. <laughs> sometimes, but there's something glorious in hearing a giant group of people sing. Together, yeah, absolutely. Especially when there's harmonies. Yeah, um, which certain types of music facilitate and certain types don't. Yeah. And so teaching people to sing in harmony is is important and it's something I've kind of taken on yeah. over uh, recent days. So, yeah. 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 Again, something, like you said, that you can't do yeah. over Zoom. 
So when we think about the significance of the Lord's gathering, we want to think about it um, in a much bigger theological category than, well, it's what we've always done. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, people who don't know why they do certain things eventually don't. Yeah. And the I would say the last generation, those who are over 60 at this point, a lot of them who grew up in the church can't tell you why. Like, it, it's just because that's what we did. And we know it's good. And if mm. they're filled with the Spirit of God, they would say it's a good thing. But they wouldn't necessarily know why. Um, so we want to go back to the beginning. We, we know that Adam was created, Adam and Eve were created in the image and the likeness of God, that they were given the task of dominion, that they lived in a garden temple, mm-hmm. that the garden is pictured in Genesis as a temple, as a sanctuary, yep. where they walked with God in his presence. To work and to keep is a language that's used later of the, the, the Levitical priests in the temple. Yep. Um, the way that the temple is situated on the high part, the water ran out of it, uh, facing the east, this type of thing. So the, the garden is pictured by um, God in and Genesis just to jump as in, a That's temple. the same image we get of the temple in uh, Ezekiel and yeah. in Revelation as well. Yeah. It's the end of Ezekiel, yes. right? It talks yes. about the water flowing out from the temple. Exactly. And the same imagery you get in Revelation. Yes. About the new New Jerusalem. Yeah, so Adam is a priest in a temple. Yeah. And Adam is the federal head of humanity, which means that we all are supposed to be priests. It's tied into our identity as humans to be worshipers in the presence of God according to his word and within the bounds mm-hmm. of his commands and the blessings that he gives. Sin obviously corrupted that, but God did not abandon his purposes for humanity. So we read with the people of Israel in Exodus 19.6, you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Um, These are the words you are to speak to the people of Israel. And that doesn't, although they did have a set-apart priesthood, uh, that they were actually to be a kingdom of priests, not just not not just the priests were to be priests. There's a sense in which all of the people um, ought to have lived within the lived in the presence of God mm-hmm. according to His Word. And in the New Testament, we see that this priestly role is given to Christians. First Peter two five: You are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Or in chapter 2, verse 9, you are a chosen race of royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness to his marvelous light. So you, the purposes that God for Adam to be a priest um, are, are fulfilled in Christ Jesus and in right. his church. And the practical application we're trying to, and it says, so that you can proclaim the excellencies of him. So the purpose is praise. And the point is this, that God has saved us and he has given us a task of dominion and central to that, fundamental to that, is our identity as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation and a temple. Um, you, you, we cannot fulfill the dominion mandate as individuals. Yeah. And all of these things are corporate a royal priesthood, a holy nation, right? A spirit, a, a spiritual house, a temple. Like that is a corporate, mm-hmm. um, gathered, assembled group of people. Yeah. It's not, it's not one person is not a spiritual house. 
Together you are being built up, Paul says. And the idea of us being a kingdom of priests uh, means that we have work to do in that place. Yes. And so uh, I've been doing a lot of reading in church history over the last couple of weeks, getting ready for some uh, Sunday school lessons that I'm going to do. And we're going to talk about the Reformation and sort of the, the state of the church leading up to the Reformation. Yeah. And one of the things that really strikes you is that the laity were basically spectators. Yes. So you would go to church. Uh, you wouldn't you you wouldn't partake of the the elements. Mm-hmm. You might get the bread, but you wouldn't get the wine. Yeah. You didn't sing. There was other people singing, trained musicians that would do the singing. The it whole was, service is in Latin. The whole service is in Latin, and you're watching the priest basically act out a sacrifice play for yes. you. And so, which for many people just resembled paganism. Yeah. Like it's. And if so, they don't know what you're saying. Yeah. And so that's why you had you know, so much ignorance and whatnot. It was just that people weren't taught. Yeah. But the, but the point is they were spectators. Yes. Uh, not involved. And so even even um, one of the marks of the Reformation churches were that the, the people would sing. Yes. They weren't being sung to. Yeah. They were singing. Yeah. And the, there was an explosion of music and uh, and song and whatnot. Participation in the corporate worship. Right. Whereas, yeah, rather than passive observance. That guy's the priest. I sit here and he does his thing. Yeah. And it works for me, the thing yeah. that it needs to do. That's sacred. We're profane. Right. And, and and I'm all for church buildings, for example. I love cathedrals. Yeah. I, th- I think that there's, you can make a good case for beautiful architecture building on a theology that says that that is not the church. Absolutely. So I don't think the fact that that's not a church means that it doesn't serve a purpose. I believe that it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't serve the purpose that a lot of people think. We are the temple. Yeah. We are the household. We are the place, the gathered people of God, where God's spirit dwells. And um, if we look at Revelation as well, the connection between our our priesthood and dominion is made explicit. He made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Uh, in Revelation 5.10, you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Yep. So the kingdom and the priesthood is central to the identity as rulers, which is what it means to take dominion, to rule, right? So in order to take dominion, what I'm saying is we need to function rightly as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation, as a living temple, as a household. That's what we are. Mm-hmm. That's who we are. And if we're not being those things, then we're not taking dominion, which leads me to the main thesis of this, is that when we gather together, when we assemble together, when the ecclesia, the, the assembly, gathers together corporately on the Lord's Day to celebrate the resurrection, to hear His Word, to participate in the sacraments, to pray together, to receive teaching and preaching, we are participating in the task of dominion. Like, that in itself is our participation. It's a foretaste of what will one day be true of everything. That we are, it says, ambassadors of Christ right now that we are a kingdom outpost we are this little this little it's like you know you have a canadian or an american like we have a canadian embassy over in you know wherever istanbul or something it's a little piece of canada um 
it's a little reflection of who we are and what we believe in the laws that we that that are a reflection of our values right it's not mm. just a building that actually those embassies are governed by the laws of that country and christians ought to be that that we're situated in this corrupt dying fading away world and we are to be an embassy of the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom, just as Israel was meant to be, that the Lord put them as a signpost in the Middle East and the main trading routes that people would come and they would see what the law of God actually does, that we are doing the same thing on a Sunday. And if your view is just like, I need some therapy and I need some encouragement and I even I need some teaching. I didn't get get anything out of it. Yeah, it's like you have you have such a low, shallow understanding of what God is doing in and through that. Yeah, um, that does not reflect what Scripture says. And what would change if we if we actually thought that? Yeah, if we thought our little imperfect, um, weak people meager giftings that we, as we submit to God's word, as we love him and we love other people, we are a reflection of the world to come, right? Yeah. As we exercise our gifts and love for one another. Like that's mm. no, that's a totally different thing yeah. than just, well, you know, the Bible says go to church and, you know, it's it's important to be committed. And like, yeah, that's true, but it's so much more than that. Yeah, yeah and... You can see how people could easily fall into this trap because of the way the evangelical world has done church for generations mm-hmm. now, right? You show up and uh, the pastor's in, you know, some ripped jeans and he's got a goatee and doesn't have a doesn't have a podium. He's got a stool and it's like, yeah. hey, welcome guys. You know, there's this like, it's like you're just at a barbecue or something like yeah. that. Um, we we need we need gravitas in yeah. our worship. Like there needs to be like a solemn understanding yes. of what we're doing. Yeah. It's not it's not just like, "Hey guys, I got something really great for you today." You know, we got a presentation from the drama squad and then we're going to talk about last week's, you know, casserole dinner or whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's there's it, it, there's got to be some heaviness to it. Yeah. Um our lord is a consuming fire. Not yeah. I mean <laughs> reverence and awe. Reverence and awe and and not just a flippant Getting together, I mean, we are a family, but it's not just like getting together for a family barbecue. It's not a TV dinner. Yeah. It's not like we all get our tables and we stare at the screen. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, most, a lot of people have treated church like that. And a lot of pastors perpetuate it because they feed those worldly desires. They yeah. they think that they need to plead with people. They need to entertain make, make them people. Make feel comfortable. Yeah, make them feel comfortable. And all of these things, you're, you're lying to people about what this actually is. And uh, we need a recovery of the role of of the of Lord's Day worship and the cosmic plan of God. Yeah. And the role in, in His plan to um, have His image bearers take dominion over the whole earth. And if you can't connect what you do on Sunday with the purpose of your life, then no wonder so many people eventually feel like I just I just don't know why we're doing this. Yeah. But this is absolutely central. It's a reorienting thing, so it's saying that look, the first day of the week, Jesus Christ rose, he is the first fruits of the new creation. 
the world is different and the world will be radically transformed. It's a reorienting of our whole lives around that reality. No longer are we meeting at the end of the week, we're meeting at the beginning to reor- to, to orient ourselves around the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And what that should do is that that should send us into the world on a mission with a purpose, right? It's not like we just show up to have some feel-good thoughts given to us to then disconnect and live a totally different life and then come in to kind of recharge or something like that. Like Sunday is where we receive our marching orders for the rest of the week. And, And we are reminded of who Christ is. We are reminded of who we are. We are filled with his spirit and his word and his praises. Um, and if we don't realize that we need those reminders every week, then we're just fooling ourselves. Yeah. You know, we're deceived about how weak we actually are. Yeah. You know, if you feel like a couple times a year you have a really great service, if that's enough to carry you through the year, like, mm-hmm. that, that's just not enough. I no. mean, it's, it's like uh, good food. Like, the more you eat good food, and, um, you know, I'm guilty of this too, the more you eat crap the more you more more you want crap but the more you eat good food the more you crave it yeah i don't know if you've noticed that like oh, the yeah. healthier you eat the more the more you realize how much it sustains you yes and so the more you are nourished the more that. you get like that reverent attitude and good preaching and uh you know boisterous singing the more you need it mm-hmm. and the more you realize mm-hmm. you need it Again, there's with the individualism, there's a lot of people who talk about the presence of God in individualist terms. Now, it is true that individuals are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Paul says that. Um, that each believer is indwelt by the Spirit of God. This is an amazing thing, that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. But the way that Paul talks in these verses is that the body corporately, communally, is a temple. He says in Ephesians 2, mm-hmm. um, in which God's spirit dwells. We are being built together into a temple. One of the applications of this is that we experience God's presence in a unique way um, together. That is, we can, there's a way that we can only experience God's presence together, or there's a way that we can experience that. The only way to experience it is together. You know what I mean? And no, no amount of your, spiritual disciplines, no amount of music you listen to for six hours can actually replace that. But Alex, where two or three are gathered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The we this the weird thing about that is I mean, we know that's about church discipline. Yeah. But it's like we're not even trying to dunk on people by saying that. It's not like it's a hard thing to see and yeah. we're like kind of standing over you in an arrogant way. It's like, literally, you just have never read that verse. Like, yeah. the verse you quote, you have never you, uh, read that you've verse. You've only read it like, on a placard on the wall. Yeah, exactly. You haven't actually read the whole pericope there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we ought to give ourselves in every moment of our life yep. to in devotion to God individually. Mm-hmm. But um, there is something of, there is an experience of God's presence that can only be experienced together with his people mm. and it's and it's meant to be that way it's yeah. meant to be that way yeah and so i would i mean i would encourage people um who feel lethargic who feel dry who feel overcome with sin who feel that their desires are not 
aligned with God's and they know it. Um, go to church. Yeah. Receive. Prioritize church. Prioritize church. Receive from his word. You know, sing his praises. Be ministered to by others and minister to others. Part of what going to church yeah. does is it rids us of our self-centered narcissism. Yeah. Like sinful humans tend to view the world in reference to themselves. And what going to church does, amongst other things, is it it reorients us not only around God, but around others. Yeah. And, yeah, that's what yeah. Paul says in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, mm-hmm. for the building up of the body. Mm-hmm. Like, all the all the people we see at the top of the chain, they're just mm-hmm. there to equip the rest of us to minister to each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That the primary, not even the primary, the majority of ministry in a church should be done by the members. That's right. Who are not officers in the church. And we were talking about that. Like a church is not one of the other functions of the gatherings in Matthew 18, which we just referenced, is church discipline. And without discipline, you're not a legitimate child. Like a church that doesn't practice discipline is not a real church because it's not filled with legitimate children, mm-hmm. right? That's clear in Hebrews. And um, Ignoring the sins of your brothers and sisters is not loving. No, it's not loving. The things that are detrimental to their health, but dishonoring to God and and detrimental to others, there's nothing compassionate about that. Yeah. But discipline, the final stages, is to take place corporally. First individually, mm-hmm. go to your brother or take another brother with you and go to him. And if they don't listen, bring it to the church. And you can't actually, what I'm saying is you can't practice biblical discipline in its final form without assembling. Yeah. And and if you can't actually practice discipline, you can't actually function as a genuine family. Like you're not a you're not functioning as a healthy family in your home if you don't discipline your children. You actually hate your children if you don't discipline them, the Bible says. Um, and you don't function as a healthy church if you don't discipline. Uh, you don't love each other yeah. if you don't discipline. But one of the ways that we avoid that final stage is by every member bearing one another's burdens, which in Galatians is actually related to their sin mm-hmm. and helping them with it. That's actually the context. I never saw that before Sunday. Ben preached a sermon on that. Is that um, the passage where it says, but be careful, like guard yourself so you don't fall into the same temptation? Um, yeah, that's later on. But uh, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Is it James? Galatians, oh, Galatians 6. Okay. Keep watch on yourself lest you be right. tempted. Bear one another's burdens and mm. so fulfill the law of Christ. It's like we often think of that as far as like, when someone's sad or struggling or bringing over food to them, which is totally a loving thing to do. But the context of that verse here is actually restoring people who are in sin. Mm. And it's a dysfunctional thing when either that's not happening or it's only happening in a formal level when it gets to the elders. And the key to that is that it's hard. Right, of course you, you, it is. You have to bear their burden, yeah, to get down there with them and yeah. and struggle with them, right? yeah, and try and convince them from scripture. Yeah, well, yeah. it's it's easy to not discipline. Like you don't want the conflict that arises. You don't want 
But um, what, what you're saying is that you love yourself more than them. And you think you're more loving than Christ. Yeah. Who commanded, this is how it's to be done in my church. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So that's really what I wanted to drive home this evening is just to get help people understand a bigger picture of why we gather gather together on the Lord's Day. We do it to commemorate the resurrection, to participate in the sacraments, to pray together, to have fellowship together, to hear from God's Word, to practice discipline. And in all of these things, we are living as a kingdom of priests in a holy nation, and we are being equipped to do that faithfully in whatever sphere that the Lord has us. And if we are not engaged in that, we're not living at our purpose. We're not living out our identity. It's so much deeper than you know, a, a, a little habit or tradition that's been going on for some time. Yeah. It's related to our very identity as Christians. Excellent. Yeah. We should, uh, we should probably do some shout outs. We got right into it. We did. We're coming in hot. Coming you know? in hot. <laughs> we went full Leroy Jenkins on that. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we should tell people too, um, most of our listeners are audio. So, um, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen, Podbean, wherever you listen to your podcast. But we are actually on YouTube as well. Because there's nothing more exciting than watching two dudes sit in armchairs talk. I mean, not when they're dressed like that. Well, and you, you're, you're going to have to watch it to see what that you're, means. You're gonna I'm not to, going to describe it to you. No. You're going to have to open it up on YouTube. We'll leave, we'll leave it at that. And when you, <laughs> when you go to YouTube, you can like and subscribe. That's right. Leave a comment. What shirt do you like best? Yeah, I like this one. My friend Ryan made this for me. Made it? Well, he, he took it and modified it Okay, for me. That's why it kind of looks all Just bleachy. made the biceps a little bigger? <laughs> Just stretched those babies out? It was the colors he was dealing with more oh, than okay, the actual yeah. fit. But right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're on YouTube. We're Substack. On YouTube. If you want to Substack. Substack. And uh, shout out to our official sponsor, The Folklorist. Yep. Check him out. Uh have you you've watched that video we put out? Yeah, I have. And his single that was on the documentary Antichrist and His Ruin um is actually for sale at the website. I think it's right. the Antichrist documentary website. You can purchase his signal single. I would encourage you to do that. Um support Christian artists. There's not a lot of them that are actually making art that is faithful hmm. to Christ and challenging the culture. Uh, the folklorist does a great job at that, yeah. and uh, obviously welcomes us into his studio each That's week. That's right. That's right. He was filming a movie up here this week with the kids, I think. Yeah. So we had to move uh, their little cardboard sets out of the way. Yeah. Sorry, guys. You'll have to reset those up. Juniper branches. <laughs> and of course, our unofficial sponsor, Gortha Classical Christian School. Yeah. Hey, did you go to the speech day this week? I did. How was that? I am. I'm so proud of our students. So six of our students. So six of our students went to a speech contest between the classical schools, and there may be listeners I mean, who attend these schools. Did we mop up or what? We didn't mop up. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to sound petty for saying yeah. this, but it started. It was an interesting conversation that I had with myself and then with our principal later. We went into this giving our students very particular instructions based on what we received about this um, and, and in line with what we think Christian rhetoric ought to be. 
um, about how they were to perform their speeches. So we told them not to use too many hand gestures. Um, we went to this thing and it was like a drama fest. So oh, the whole like time, costumes I'm, and stuff. No, not costumes, but just like overblown emphasis and rhetoric and walking around and throwing hands everywhere. And the whole time I'm watching, thinking, one, our students weren't told to do this, so I just feel bad for them. They and, sat there for four hours, yeah. and it's kind of like you show you you show up to a soccer game and you realize you're playing basketball, yeah. and you're looking at your coach, you're like. Am I expected to do this? Like, this is not what we planned. So they went up. They they did amazing. We did get a couple medals, but they did what they trained for perfectly. And they did it when they were feeling really stupid about it, which is more commendable for their character. That's what I care about. That's why you do this, um, for yeah. primarily for character. It got us thinking and talking about the role of Christian rhetoric, because to be honest with you, while I was impressed with a lot of these students, I mean, their the work they'd put into this was incredible. Their skill was incredible. I don't think we should be encouraging that. It basically feels like sophistry. And I just had the what, thought... Encouraging the... the dr- way, dr- drama. Oh, right. Oh, the, and the other students. The other students. The way they were doing it. Okay, yeah, yeah, and it's I'm, I'm not denying the skill, the superior skill even, that was required to do that. You but feel it takes away from the argument. I feel that Christian speech ought to be sincere. And so there's two ways of looking at rhetoric. One looks at, and I'll I'll explain this as a preacher. So over the course of my time as preaching, there's two kinds of preaching books. One that focuses on the substance of preaching, what it is, how you get your message, how you prepare your message with some helpful, you know, things to avoid mainly when delivering as a distraction. There's other books that look at good preachers, look at their delivery, and think, oh, if I wave my hands and raise my voice, that's a good sermon. And it's like, okay, that guy did raise his voice, and he did emphasize things, and he did use hand gestures, but you can't copy that. You, The reason you do those things is it has to be a sincere yeah. and appropriate response to what you're saying. And when you train children, like I especially have a problem with children. Like when you train children who I pray that they're saved, when you train them that there's like a way that you can pretend to care about the things of God, that's just not good. And I'm not trying to disparage them that none of them cared either. I'm just like... I was sitting there thinking, I hope my child never does that. You know, like never is a good actor at the things of God. Yeah. And they were clearly instructed to do that. I mean, whoever had been telling them what to do told them. So I'm not, um, again, I'm not disparaging the students. They're amazingly skilled, but it just, I have a, I have a fundamental problem with that view of rhetoric. Mm. Um, So now that we got that out there, yeah, I think there's a way to use your tone and your words to great effect without having to resort to that sort of thing. And part of that would be maybe understanding your audience and knowing what it is that's going to, um, what it is that's going to sort of pique their interest. And so maybe you can speak, you can sort of tailor it and have it still be sincere. I just think it's. I just think of preaching because I'm a preacher. Yeah. It's that you you have to focus on what you're saying, not how you say it. 
as soon as you focus on how you say it, you're no longer focusing on the right thing. Mm. And I know that I know they're related. Like I know that when you focus on what you're saying, you'll say it in a fitting way. I do. Right. I understand. That's kind that. of what I'm getting at. Yeah. yeah, but you you have it's where you're where what what are you focusing on? And when you're listening, you can just tell. You can just tell. Like, did you plan your hand gestures? Did you plan where you would go up? Any of the preachers who do that, I I, I don't like at all. Like it's slam pulpit in notes, you know. Yeah, it, it's like that's not how you do it. Yeah, and I don't want to raise children who learn to fake it till they make it. You know, yeah. that's not the kind of rhetoric we're trying to teach kids. Mm-hmm. So, well, and true, like a real good delivery of anything, whether it's a speech or a sermon or a song, always comes from conviction. Yes. So if you're convinced of what you're saying or singing or preaching. That's going to come across. Yeah. And I think that's way more effective than anything you can whip up. Yeah. And it is, and there are some things like you can tell every student to speak loud enough for people to hear you. And there are right. certain things you uh, don't speak too fast. So work on your timing and pace um, that aren't, that aren't inherently antithetical to sincerity. Mm-hmm. But there's a way that you go beyond that, that it actually comes, becomes dramatics, theatrics, and there's a place for that, but it just doesn't strike me as Christians should be doing that in, in, in as far as rhetoric. Mm. Uh, it's like if you want to go into um, uh, if you want to go into drama, into theater, that's fine. But it was uh, the way I describe it is the difference between theater and film. Like if when you watch people do theater, they're fake. They're fake. Their mm-hmm. makeup is is exaggerated. Their gestures are exaggerated. Everything is intentionally exaggerated. That's why I hate musicals. Yes, musicals the same yeah. thing. But when you watch a film, the point is actually authenticity, and you can't actually be a like the, the skilled actors in one sense like are authentic, like they are genuinely feeling the things that they're expressing. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's. That's the difference I was sensing. And um, yeah, so thanks for asking. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was great. I did want to ask about that because I, I just popped into the school to see if anybody wanted to have a game of chess or a coffee and there was yeah. nobody there. Right. And uh, yeah, so there you go. Yeah, we'll, well, we're going to have an Olympics maybe and we're going to nice. we're gonna clean up on that. Crush it. Crush it. Is there going to be a deadlifting category? <laughs> There will be one day. That's high school. That's right. All right, everybody. It's been long enough here. We got like an hour in there almost. You know, that's pretty good for us old timers. Time to go to bed now. We'll leave you with this. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. 